Well, I have to say it's super exciting to see a new rider come out, grab your attention, not only in the first race of the year or the second race of the year, but basically all season long. Jens, straight from his new apartment that kind of got in the way of our recording the last time in Girona, and before he takes off to the December training camp with his team, EF Education Easy Post, Ben Healy joins us today. What do you think about that? I'm so glad we finally had a chance to talk to one of the shooting stars and interesting characters of this season. And I was so blown away to see him racing in the Giro Italia when I was there on a motorbike for Eurosport because I was in the rain there as well. And it was great to see how he just was not affected by the terrible conditions at all. What a man he was. Yeah, this kid is special. Uh, he just turned 23. He sounds so much more mature and so much more experienced than he is. So sit back and relax and listen to our great interview today with Ben Healy. All right, everyone, welcome Ben Healy to Bobby and Jens. Yep. Hey, everyone. Um, thanks for having me. It's cool to be here. I mean, good Lord, man. I mean, you have to be proud of your 2023 season. Um, you really made a huge name for yourself, but before we dive into that, uh, where are we, where are you talking to us from right now? Because last time we had a little bit of a story that you had to change apartments. Is that right? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, uh, I'm in Girona now and yeah, my girlfriend's just recently moved, moved out of London and, uh, to Girona with me and I was living with uh, a bunch of boys. So, uh, yeah, she got a bit sick of that situation. Uh, rightly so, to be honest, and uh, yeah, so we were looking for an apartment for quite a while, but we uh, we wanted somewhere that was right, and uh, yeah, something came up last minute, and it was uh, yeah, we were able to move pretty quickly. So that was just happened to be when we we last scheduled uh, our podcast date. So yeah, that was a a bit of a rush, and uh, yeah, but I'm here now. So. And does the story have a happy end? Are you right now in that new apartment already? Yeah, in the in the new apartment already. Yeah, piecing things together. Christmas trees up, so yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> Look at you! Already got the Christmas tree up. So, who were you living with before you decided to, um, you know, start a relationship and actually um, move in with your girlfriend? Yeah, I mean, I from when I moved to Girona two years ago now. Um, at first, I was with uh, Tom Gluck, who who now rides for Jumbo Visma, and. Last year, uh, it was me, Tom, and Lucas Naroka, who's uh, Lucas has just signed for EF as well, so he's going to be a teammate next year. That's pretty sweet. Uh, it just reminds me of very long time ago. Um, David Miller and I were on Kofidis together, and we were rooming together in a one-bedroom apartment that had two big king-size beds uh, in 1997. And then I had a pretty decent tour that year and then kind of said to my wife, like, or my girlfriend who became my wife, um, do you want to come over and live with me? So when I got back in 1998, after our training camp, I kind of had to look at Dave and go, Dave, um, you got to move out, bro. <laughs> <I felt terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. And then he wound up in Biarritz and the rest was history. Um, Yenzi, you have a, a story of, people that you lived with early in your career as well, right? Yep, correct. Um, we uh, moved down to Toulouse and I lived there with two other neopros from Australia and myself because we all had tiny little shitty contracts. So none of us could afford a house or an apartment by himself. So we had this tiny little house, three bedrooms, one each, and we did share the kitchen and um, the living room. And um, yeah, living with Australians, it's quite eye-opening. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I was so innocent before I met these people. Oh my god, <laughs> that was fantastic! <clears throat> oh, but it was, yep, that was really good. One of us was a really messy but a really talented cook, Jay Sweet. He was really creative, he was a good cook. So we prepared, he cooked, we cleaned, we shared the work quite nicely. Yeah, it's a nice situation that was. Uh, Lucas is, a, is an amazing chef, so. Yeah, me and Tom have kind of just been uh, living off living off his food recently. You know, it goes great quite well. You know, you wash the dishes, he cooks. You know, I'd say that's a good deal. Good deal for us. Teamwork makes the dream work. But um, before you were a pro, you started off first at Team Wiggins in 2019, um, and then it kind of morphed into Trinity Racing. 
what memories do you have of, of those early days when you weren't uh, a big time uh, world tour pro on EF Education Easy Post? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah, you're right there. It started with uh, Wiggins as an under 23. And yeah, that was a, a really hard fought spot that I had on Wiggins. And um, yeah, it, it took a lot to get onto that team. I had okay junior years but but not great junior years and uh yeah i was going around emailing in all the teams i possibly could and uh this is as i was going through declaring for ireland as well and it just so happens that uh, wiggins is is run by uh, an irish guy called well it was but um called andrew mcquade and uh yeah he get just gave me the benefit of the doubt and uh wanted to to help support uh yeah an irish riders and uh yeah, I don't think he really had space left in the team for me, but, you know, he, he gave me a bike and a, and a kit and some kit. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I managed to, to yeah, have a good year that year as well, you know. But, yeah, I didn't really expect anything from me, but, yeah, I uh, managed to win a stage of Lavender that year. And I've, yeah, I think surprised quite a few people, you know, because I was kind of the kid, yeah, is to take a chance on him and uh, see where he goes, you know, not really expecting anything and, yeah, then one thing went to another and that turned into Trinity Racing and yeah, with, with Tom Pidcock on the team and at the head of the team as well. And unfortunately it was, yeah, during COVID. Um, so yeah, we had some big plans. Well, they had some big plans for that team and, and COVID hit the hit under 23 ranks, especially really, really hard, you know, and I probably did about 14 race days as my second year under 23. Um, yeah, but it was just really a, a good job that I had that, yeah, opportunity at Wiggins to start with and uh, was able to pick up that, that stage win in Lavenir because it, it really just gave me, it put me in, in really good position for when COVID hit, you know. I think there was a lot of guys in a, a really, yeah, like really fighting for opportunities and, and nowhere to actually prove themselves. Um, so I was, I was super fortunate for that. And yeah, then I, I had two really great years at, at Trinity and um, made some really great friends, one being... Yeah, well, two of them being Tom Globe and, and Lucas. Um, yeah, and we had a, had a great time. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a, a super team to be on. You know, we'd go to every race and just, yeah, have a have a great laugh and uh, really feel that team camaraderie. So um, even a few years earlier, um, when and how did you first time uh, get your hands on a bike? How, how did that happen to you? Yeah, um, I think my, my dad's always been a keen cyclist. And yeah, he's never raced at like a super high level, but you know, just kind of local races. And I, I grew up in the UK for those that don't know. And um, yeah, we, I was just always racing like down the local track and, and doing, yeah, the local track league. And yeah, I just, just always loved the sport, you know, and my parents were never, never pushy parents, but I always wanted to go back, you know, and for sure my dad had some influence there because he was a keen cyclist and uh, took me down the track. Um, but yeah, I just always wanted to go back and I just dabbled in a bit of everything, track cycling, although I, I wasn't so good at that because yeah, as, as people may have seen now, I'm, I don't have much of a, much of a punch at all. So I'm more try and ride everyone out on my wheel, but yeah, you can't do that so easily on a, on a track race, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I probably, probably raced more mountain bike and, and cyclocross when I was younger. Um, and yeah, and only really until junior, I uh, really fully transitioned and, and focused on the road. But like you just said, you were born in the UK and then switched your your citizenship to Irish, citizen, Irish citizenship. Um, what were the what was your reasoning for that? And how old were you when when you did that? Yeah, I mean, so half my family is is Irish so my dad's my dad and my dad's side of the family so it was always always there um but it was it came at a time where yeah I thought I was doing doing pretty good and I was looking for for opportunities and and British Cycling like couldn't give those to me because I wasn't on the on the track program and yeah I, re I reached out to to someone on Irish Cycling and uh yeah asked for the opportunity and and was just exploring that avenue of is it something that I could do and yeah they they welcomed me with open arms and uh yeah pretty quickly I was I was racing for the Irish team after I uh, reached out to them and yeah I had the passport and yeah I could, I could represent Ireland from yeah I think 
my second year junior, I, I started. And did you ever try any other sports, like whatever, soccer, track and field, or it was just all around uh, the bike? Yeah, I've, when I was younger, I did a bit of like cross-country running and, and swimming. And then through school, just the, the normal things like in the UK, like football and a bit of rugby. But yeah, anything with a ball, I, I'm not too good with. My, I think my hand-eye coordination is, is lacking quite severely, actually, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, same here, same here. Yeah, I think quite a few endurance athletes uh, have that. But yeah, so anything to do with the engine, like running and swimming, I was I was okay at. Um, but yeah, like I say, the, the bike was always the thing that I wanted to go back to. And, and that's what I really enjoyed. Well, you mentioned something about your school days, and I'm super interested to hear about that because I spoke with Jonathan Vodders, your 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 boss, and he said that you're extremely intelligent. So I'm just curious, having started cycling at such an early age and obviously being quite good at it, what was your schooling and education level? Um, I asked this because you know there's a lot of young kids. Uh, that are aspiring cyclists, or, but let's face it, a very small percentage of those riders actually make it to the world tour. So what was your level of, of education and maybe some little uh, advice for young riders? Yeah, I mean, I never made it to university. Um, and it's something that I still think about now that I actually wouldn't mind doing like a, an open university course just because I'm, I am interested in, in still learning. But for sure now, it's, it's finding the time and the motivation. But I was always, I always wanted to finish school. Um, yeah, that was like a, a pretty big priority to me. And yeah, I finished my GCSEs in the UK, which is up until 16. And then you do two years after at A-level. And yeah, I, I, I really committed to those and, and made sure I got them finished because yeah, you never know with cycling, you know? I, even if I had good results at that point where like when I was 18, you know, you if you get injured and you can never ride your bike again, then I always thought it'd, it'd be good to have have it back in. And yeah, I, like I say, I, I do enjoy learning. Um, and yeah, I'm, I have a, a more mathsy brain than, a, than an English brain. So yeah, it, I, I did maths, physics and uh, PE. And I didn't do too too well in A-level, to be honest. Like I'd say it's pretty generous from JV to say, say I'm, I'm super intelligent, but... Yeah, it's just something I enjoy, I guess, and uh, yeah, I, I wanted to, to keep on doing whilst I was, I was riding. Well, and now you made me curious. If the cycling thing wouldn't have happened, where would you be today? Would you be still a student? Would you be a master of physics or a technician? Where would you be? What sort of job would, would you have I think that's a, it's such an impossible question, isn't it? That one. Um, yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I really don't know. I think right right at this point, I'd probably still be a student. Um, yeah, following the the physics and maths kind of kind of side, I guess, down engineering or yeah, astrophysics or, or something like that is is kind of where where I was heading. But yeah, for sure, some of the maths guys are. I'm, I'm nowhere near as smart as. Uh, the naturally gifted guys are just, yeah, I, it's something that I enjoy doing and I put a lot of hard work into. Well, I know this is the first time that we've spoke and I could see early on watching you in, um, honestly, this spring, that you have a different style of racing um, and also very, very young. So how would you describe yourself as a cyclist to our viewers and listeners that may not know your name? Yeah, I haven't really had thought about that before, to be honest. I think, I guess I'm just not a, afraid to to rock the boat a little bit. I guess, um, and yeah, not not very traditional in a way. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I like to chance my arm, and I know I know my strengths, and I, I I'm not afraid to ride to my strengths, even if there's there was always questions to start with. You know, like yeah, people thinking it's ridiculous or. Yeah, like why? Why do you want to try these silly moves? You know, they're just it's fancy cycling or whatever. But yeah, I I I believed in myself and I knew what I needed to do and what I can do and in the situations that I can can get myself into that that favor me and uh, that's that's what I try and look for all the time. You know, I, I try and look for opportunities where I know I can win because, I, yeah, I'm not the, the greatest sprinter or 
super i'm not the, the strongest guy on the the most key section you know and so you have to work around that and then really try and dissect the race and, and see how i can can race to my advantage and and quite often that is for me going going long distance and uh really trying to play on the group dynamics behind and um yeah my, my strength which is you know just kind of chugging away a, a decent enough power and getting aero um, I had the pleasure and the honor to eyewitness you for the Giro Italia because I was there on a motorbike for a week for, for Eurosport or GCN. And I saw you at least twice, I believe, in the break. And yeah, I, it felt a little bit like reminding me on myself because just like you said, I was never a top sprinter, never a top climber. So we have to do something else, right? We have the desire to win a good engine. So we have to make the race hard for everyone, and that's where then we can shine. In the Giro Italia this year, you think the bad weather helped you, that your motivation was just less in fact impacted by the bad weather? You kept your spirits higher up, or you were just having the day or time of your life there? I mean, a lot, a lot of guys always go, oh, yeah, do you, do you enjoy riding in, in the shit weather then? And I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but I think if, like, I don't dislike it as much as everyone else. You know, like it doesn't affect me as bad, but vice versa in the heat, I'm also, I also struggle quite a lot. So yeah, like in the cold, cold, wet races, you know, I just don't think I really have a drop off like other guys do. But on the other hand, when it's hot, I definitely have a, a pretty big drop off. But, but Ben, you, you know, you're only 23 years old. Um, I would say that you had a very typical Neo Pro season with EF Education Easy Post, um, kind of a split, classics kind of stage race sort of thing. But I mean, you came out this year um, smoking. Um, you know, you got a podium spot down there in Spain. You won a stage and finished third overall in Copa Bartoli. Um, but you really caught my eye in that Italian one day classic, the Industria de Argento or something like that, with one of those moves that you were talking about you know, fearless. And that's why I wanted to ask that question. because I'm like, wow, this, this guy's going to win this race. And I don't really even know his name. He he's like absolutely fearless. Then you go into the, you know, into the Ardennes and you do super well there. And then like Yenzi said, you, you want to stage in your first ever grand tour in the Giro. But, um, how does that, ha like, what did you do between the winter of 2022 and the beginning of 2023 that gave you this much confidence and this much, um, I guess, strength? Did you change anything in your training? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a really big change in one particular area. You know, it was like every, for sure, every pro cyclist every year works as hard as they possibly can. And I think that's, that's a given. And it's just these little minute things that, you know, you dial in, you do a little bit better and... Yeah, I just took all the, the things that I thought I could work on uh, out of my first year and try, really tried to apply them going into my second year. And yeah, I, I learned a heck of a lot in, uh, in my first year. And I think, like how I mentioned before, I lost almost two years of development in the under 23s because of COVID. And so I didn't really get that much experience and that much learning. And this my first year pro was just like a baptism of fire almost, you know? And the, yeah, like training methods, diet, like prepare, preparation for races. Yeah, just winter training as well. Like all these things just really dialed in. And uh, yeah, I, I, I applied all of that the best I could to, to my training. And uh, yeah, I, I reaped the rewards, I guess. You know, I, I put the hard work in and I, I never really expected it to be as good as, as, good as I was this year. But uh, I knew I did the work and I was super excited just to see see where I ended up. And uh, it just happens that, yeah, I, I've made a really big step up this year. And yeah, I can only attribute it to all the, all the little things that have, you know, just, just stepped on a little bit. Um, another thing, like almost like a follow-up question now with Bobby's question. I was uh, quite surprised and impressed how long you kept the top shape of yours. You know, you're a young rider. As you said, you lost two years with your development. So it was kind of like likely you have a start like this and then kind of like hit the peak and kind of like get tired, but you kept it for a very long time, stable. 
How did you manage that? Do you have an advisor? Yeah. You, you have a coach to talk to or you take breaks in between, go back to Ireland and drink a pint of Guinness? Or how did you do that to keep the shape for like three or four months as on that top level? Honestly, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I, yeah, so I guess backtrack to the start of the year. I did that race in, uh, in Mallorca. I went straight to France and I broke my hand. Um, and I'd been given this opportunity in the in the camp, you know, I've got this opportunity to ride the Giro. And in my head, like, I really didn't want to let that go, you know. it's uh, It was a big opportunity and I, I really wanted to prove myself, especially, like, I'd shown that I had good good race on the camp, good legs on the, on the camp and in the race after the camp. And, um, yeah, I was, like, really good to break my hand after all the hard work. And, yeah, I just knuckled down and I, did, I, I trained as normal as I would on the road but on the turbo with a broken hand and um yeah I, I look back and I think you know that work is just so specific and you know you stick it on erg mode and you do everything to the to the letter you know um and for sure that has to be has to be something to do with it also not not to mention you know it's it's on the turbo it's uh you get pretty hot and uh yeah all this uh Yeah, research leading into Tokyo is shown heat work is, is also super important and uh, really beneficial. And then I finished a, a, a four-week block on the turbo of like 22, 23 hours a week and go straight to altitude for two weeks. Um, yeah, and because that was always in the calendar to, to have that block of altitude. It's just, it ended up with my broken hand lining up and yeah, the camp was paid for and, and I still wanted to, to go and I was still super motivated. And yeah, uh, Yeah, we, we saw I was going really well on the altitude already. So I did uh, Copy Bartoli. Um, and yeah, from Copy Bartoli, I just, just managed to, to really keep the legs and keep the shape. But it was it was quite interesting, actually, because, you know, I'd go to the race and I'd, I'd feel amazing. But after each one of these races, I was like in a hole, like really fucked, you know? It was like I was pushing my body so deep in these races. I'd get home and like I was hardly training between each race you know I went from just race super well I'd get home it would just be rest super easy rides because I, I couldn't do anything more than that and I'd go back to the race and I'd be recovered and, and have this super high form again but this was going all the way until this year because after the after Liège I was super yeah super wrecked and uh, probably not the best the best thing in hindsight now but I went to the wind tunnel the day after Liège And uh, yeah, that really, really knocks me about. Um, and yeah, I, I almost like, I, I almost said to the team, like I'm pulling the plug before this year because I was, uh, yeah, like I, I wasn't able to train for like a good week because I was just like so fucked after Liège. Um, but yeah, I managed to turn it around and uh, and yeah, again, bounce back for, for the last race. And But yeah, it, it took its toll because after this year, I was just, yeah, it took, a, it took quite a while to get going again. Well, so many things I want to ask you about. I think I'm going to start with the Ardennes. You know, you did those your Neopro year, but then you absolutely crushed them. And knowing now that you were kind of in, the, in the, uh, the hurt bag after those, what do you like about the Ardennes races? Because they're very, very, very specific and special to, to riders. What do you like about those races? Yeah, I think... Uh, one, the, being the distance. I, I'm really good in, uh, in an attritional scenario. And um, yeah, I'm not, yeah I, I don't have the highest absolute power in a, in a power test, but I can do my absolute power at the end of the back end of six hours. And I think that's something that, that really showed in the, in the Ardennes this year. And uh, yeah, a, a really key like aspect that, that's why I'm able to perform in, in the Ardennes. And Yeah, and kind of in, in a similar sense as well, the, the repetition of the climbs. You know, I, I can do that effort, recover super quick and do the effort again. And I think that's, that's a pretty, another pretty important skill for the, uh, for the Ardennes and, and why I can, can do well in those. Well, and that leads me to uh, my next question. Where do you see the bike rider Ben Healy developing into? I mean, you were great at the one League Classics, at the really hard ones, the Ardennes. You yet seem to be a pretty good stage hunter as well, tried your hand at uh, GC and I believe Tour of Luxembourg. So 
where do you think you want to go or where you think you can go in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw an article from JV and uh, GCN about me going to the Giro as a, as a GC contender. And uh, yeah, that really panics me. So I think for now, the, the, the heart definitely isn't in the, in the GC, GC rider. Um, and yeah, at the moment, I'm just really enjoying, you know, hunting for stages and, and going for these, yeah, one days that I know I can perform in. And if I'm enjoying it and it's, it's still fresh for me, I, I don't see see why I would I would switch out now. Um, and maybe in the future, I, I can play my hand at, at, at attempting a GC. But for now, for sure, I'm just, I'm really enjoying going for these, yeah, Ardennes and uh, stages and Grand Tours. And, and that's what I want to carry on doing for the, uh, yeah, in the near future. I just can't believe you were, you were 22 when you did your first Grand Tour and not many riders win a stage in their first Grand Tour, but you did by winning stage eight of the Giro d'Italia with that super long solo move. Tell us a little bit about that day and what that victory of a Grand Tour stage meant to you and means to you. Yeah, I mean, I I went to the Giro with a goal of obviously winning the stage and, and I, I really, really wanted it. And uh, yeah, almost too much, I think, because in the previous days when uh, breaks had won, yeah, I, I just showed my hand way too early and, and gone a bit gunko and uh, trying to get in the breakaways and, and really show my hand. Um, so yeah, I, I quickly again had to had to learn from my mistakes and uh, try and play it a bit smarter. And yeah, that's what I did on stage eight, I think. And uh, although it was still a pretty hard fight to get to get into the breakaway, uh, once it established, like I I knew I had had really good legs and uh, I was I was pretty comfortable in in the fight, staying away from the peloton, and I could already already feel that there were guys suffering. And um, yeah, and there's just that finish was uh, almost Ardennesque and yeah, a really a really good finish for me. And I knew I could uh, if I could race it correctly, then I definitely was in a shout shout to win. And um, yeah, approaching the circuit, there was yeah two three three real hard climbs, and uh, the first climb with fifty k to go. I yeah I I backed myself and. Uh, I uh, had the TJ in the car. He was, uh, yeah, against me going solo from that far out, but I really believed I could do it. And uh, so we, we uh, entered that climb and I just wanted to kind of, yeah, see how everyone was going and uh, get a feel for how everyone was feeling. And um, I, I was comfortable on the climb and guys were attacking a little bit to and throwing and guys were dropping. And, and yeah, he was kind of seeing, seeing the, st the stronger guys in the group and, I just wanted to test everyone's legs over the top and yeah, I, I went and no one could follow me. And then from there on, it was just, uh, yeah, the, the time trial to the finish and, and ride that last, that last 50 K as, as fast as I could. And yeah, that's what I did and, and managed to have the legs to hold it on the day. And so yeah, to, to win a stage in this year, was just, yeah, it was pretty phenomenal to be fair. And, uh, yeah, that, that's what the big goal for the season was, so to actually do it and, yeah, even having the broken hand and, and being able to to do that was, a, yeah, it was a really special feeling. Well, I guess the entire season, um, normal pros need an entire career to get that many results like you had in, in, one, in one season. Um, but let us be part of that mental movie in your head. When did you know I really have a chance? When you had 10 seconds, you, hey, I think I got this. Or when you have a minute to the chasing group, you went, now I have it. And how do you manage the slippery, wet roads, descents? Because it more or less rained every day in the Giro, right? How, how, how did you judge how much risk I need to take or how much I'm willing to give time away to play it safe? and come down still standing and then chase on the flat. So what went through your head? When did you believe you have it? And how did you manage the descents? Yeah, so I guess I believed I had it um, only really up until, until the final climb, I guess, because it was always, you know, a minute, a minute and a half. But yeah, if I'd paced my effort wrong and, and I really blew, then uh, yeah, you never know. They, they can, if they really get their act together behind, for sure, like, no matter what four strong guys rotating is is going to bring back a solo solo guy um but yeah when when i got to the final climb and i still had like two minutes and and real good legs and yeah i, I knew for sure that then i had it and um yeah with the descending it's just in my head it was just, it's a it's a case of just getting down as fast as possible without taking any risks and 
just taking things smooth, no crazy, crazy corners. And uh, yeah, if I lose a bit of time, it's not the end of the world, but just stay on the bike is, is the most important thing to me. And uh, yeah, I think sometimes losing a bit of, bit of time on the descent is actually not necessarily a bad thing because then in the in the chasers heads they think they think they're bringing you back and maybe push a bit too hard and then actually then the gap goes out again and uh on, when you when you can start pressing on the pedals again and uh just plays into the group dynamics and uh some some of the mind games we'll be right back after this short break now back to our chat with ben Well, I, I need to share this with you with, that JV sent me. He said he's a unique one physiologically. Very low drag on the road bike. Can hold the low drag position for hours and hours. Also incredible fatigue resistance. Power doesn't fall off much after five hours of racing, which you've said. But how did you actually feel after your first Grand Tour? Was the fatigue level as expected, a little less expected? What what was that sensation like as a twenty then twenty two year old finishing your first Grand Tour? Yeah, I was completely fucked. I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> of course, of course. Completely... we all are after a race yeah. like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I don't have much experience to to talk on this matter really because it was my first Grand Tour and I can't compare it to anything else. Um, but, you know, I was trying to defend the blue jersey at the end and I just had absolutely nothing to give, you know. Like, I, I, I was trying as much as I could, but the legs just weren't responding at all, you know. And, uh, yeah, that the, the final week of the Giro was uh, for sure super tough. Um, I, and I did struggle. And I think some of that's down to the, the intense racing block I had leading into the Giro. Um, and for sure, some of it is just... Yeah, it's a grand tour, and uh, I think I think eventually everyone gets tired. So, does that give you any ideas of uh, your program for next year? Are you still aiming for the Giro one more time, or you want to go to the Tour, um, trying to win a stage there? And and what do you think you need to change in your preparing a Grand Tour? A little more rest before, or longer rides to build the endurance up? Any plans for that? Yeah, I think uh, I really want to go hard into the Ardennes again. And then, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go to the Tour and, and win a stage in the Tour. And, uh, yeah, I think, well, yeah, one day I really want to have, uh, yeah, a monument and uh, three Grand Tour victories would be, yeah, that'd just be, yeah, a dream of mine. So that's, that's the goal and that's what I want to start working towards. Dang, that's, uh, that's pretty lofty goals, but why the heck not? If you already won one at 22, why can't you just knock them off the list one by one? But... You know, you said that you were tired, but you came out and you won the Irish National Road Championship in June, then got second to, I believe, Mark Hershey in the, uh, right after that in July, what was the name of that? Um, um, I can't remember. Uh, but it was God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I forget it. But <laughs> my, my point is, you know, you didn't do the tour and then you, after the tour, you do San Sebastian, you do the world championships, you do the Canadian races. But what is it like having to train after the Giro against guys and then start racing against guys that come out of the, the Tour de France? Um, the Tour de France, they always say it gives you another gear, but you were kind of still there even racing against those guys that did the Tour de France. How is that? How, how do you train through that to get that sort of, uh, you know, average and you know unique form held all the way through those races yeah i think i was just trying to do what i could really um made sure i rested after the giro and uh just did the best training i i, I could manage at the time and uh yeah some somehow i had yeah, a phenomenal legs again in uh, the irish championships um but yeah the, the training wasn't looking so good to be honest it's just i managed to pull it out of the bag on the day um, and I think honestly, I, sometimes I'm quite an emotional rider as well. Um, so if, if the head's good, then, uh, then I'm going good. And maybe it was just one of those days where, where I really wanted it again. Um, and yeah, I was just, just really trying to do my best to, you know, be consistent with training and, uh, yeah, do, do what I could and to, to show up to races in, in good form. Um, and yeah, I, I think I managed it okay, but for sure, you know, it's, 
I managed to finish second to, to Mark Hershey in that race, but it, compared to San Sebastian, it's uh, quite a small race. And yeah, then I showed up to San Sebastian and all the guys were off the tour pinging and I'm, uh, I was struggling a bit there. So I wouldn't say it, it all went super smooth. Um, but yeah, I, I for sure found found some days again that, that I had good legs and um, yeah, I just, just did what I could to, to get the best results I could. I'm actually so glad you mentioned yourself that you sometimes seem to be an emotional type of rider because that's what I just uh, understood between the lines uh, when you talked, oh, I didn't train too much after this race. I was so tired. I came back, had good legs. It seems like you're really strong in your head and when you wrap your head around it, you can force your body to go much deeper than probably many other people could do. So, you know, you force your body to work much more than he wanted to. You get the result, but then, of course, you Monday back home, get tired. So is that a strength? Is that a blessing or is it a curse for you? Yeah, I, 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 it is what it is, I guess, and label it, label it as you will. But, um, yeah, I think it's for sure a factor in, in the rider that I am. Um, and you look back at, at some of my results in under 23, and they were quite often on the last day of a stage race. And actually, when you think about it, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's just if I haven't got anything out of the race and I, I, I do have good legs and I really want it on that last day, I, I somehow I somehow managed to pull it off a few times now. Um, and yeah, I've, I think definitely it shows in, in, uh, yeah, in, in my character as a rider now is, uh, yeah, when I get a bit between my teeth, I can, I can really, really dig deep and, and push my body to limits where, yeah, I otherwise wouldn't be able to. I mean, l listening to all this, I'm still amazed because You know, after your long season, um, the Canadian races, a lot of guys just capped their season after the Canadian races. But you came back to Europe and muscled up a little bit more energy. I guess the tank wasn't totally empty and you finished third overall to to Mark Hershey and Brandon McNulty in the Tour of Luxembourg. Um, then you went on an attack halfway through Lombardy. Um, was there any mental differences that you remember between like the first half of your season compared to your second half of the season. Did that second half of the season, even though the tank was a little empty, did you have anything in, from that mental mindset perspective that, that clicked a little bit differently as uh, compared to the first part of the season? I think um, the first part of the season, I was so dialed and so motivated. There was, there was nothing other than, uh, yeah, tunnel vision towards, towards performance. Um, and that's like really trying to, in every, in every aspect of, of, of the way I was living. Uh, but then in the second half of the season, you know, I'd, I'd have a good year and like, yeah, I still wanted to perform. And I still had this big goal in mind of Lombardia. Um, but, you know, it was still a bit more of a, of a balance in my life, I guess. And uh, yeah, I was just trying to make room for other things and, and not just be, uh, yeah, a, a hobbit living, living on his bike, you know? And uh, I think for sure, for sure that shows in, in performances, but. Yeah, I, I still put the work in on the bike and uh, yeah, and that's why I think I was still able to, to achieve some results, but maybe not at, at my uh, absolute peak. So with an amazing season like you had now, you'll be one of the surprise and shooting stars of the season and probably the most popular rider in Ireland. I believe you get a lot of attention, like right now, invitations to podcast, like it's a little celebration here, get a medal there, get another thing over there. How do you manage to stay focused? And do you often have to say, uh, no, I cannot be in three places on the same weekend. I also need to train and to sleep and to eat healthy. How do you stay focused and don't fall into the you know, seduction of, yeah, I'm a celebrity and have another drink, have another drink. How do you stay focused? I guess at core, I'm just, I'm motivated to perform and I think I know, know what I need to do to do that. And uh, yeah, it's all about balance, isn't it? I think, and uh, For sure, I want to enjoy enjoy the moment and uh, enjoy the time in the spotlight while I can. But uh, yeah, just at, at this time of year as well, you know, you can definitely be a bit more lenient on it. But I think as soon as uh, the season starts, and yeah, there's no there's no messing around. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more than to put to perform. Then. But let's face it, Ben. This is a what have you done for me lately sort of sport, right? So you've set expectations pretty high for your team, your competitors. Um, what do you think you're going to work off, work on this off season to make sure that your 2024 season is as solid as your 2023 season? What, what little things do you and your coach want to look at? 
Yeah, I think, um, yeah, heat work is for sure going to be a big one. Uh, the tour has been notoriously hot the past couple of years, and uh, that's something that I, I really do need to improve. Um, and, yeah, just staying consistent and trying to remember the things that I did last year and, uh, yeah, trying to, be, trying to be in line with that and, yeah, just, just do all the little things right and uh, then hopefully the legs will come, come along with that. And you have roughly an idea about your race program or you will be more precisely after the next training camp with Jonathan Waters or you, you go, well, I'm sure I'm going to go to the tour. Is that, is that decided already or is it just more like your desire to go or when you, when you will know about your precise race program? I think I will know, yeah, come, we go to training camp on, on, uh, Dece in December, start of December and yeah, then we find out our training camp. But I think for sure the Ardennes is will be there, and then yeah, I, I just hope hope I can uh, get a place in the tour. But yeah, the team has to balance ambitions, and uh, for, we've still got got Richie, who's going to be, yeah, I'd imagine pretty keen for the tour as well. So yeah, see how that works out. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, maybe this is like just an old school thing, but you seem to have a, a very good head on your shoulders. You know, obviously, you have to have goals. Um, do you write these? goals down in like a phase plan for like next year five years from year uh from now 10 years from now like i want to achieve this maybe not only in cycling but in life um do, do you do you try to visualize things in a in a phase plan like that or is it just kind of just just roll with it baby yeah i mean I, it's, i don't think i've ever written it down But I for sure think about it a lot, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, we have hours of uh, solo time on, out on training rides and it's for sure things that I ponder on and, yeah, things I want to achieve in my career and, uh, yeah, and also also in life as well and, and the level of sacrifice you want to make to be, be the best you can, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's something I think about, but I guess it's not something I could uh, physically produce and, and show you right now. Damn it. So... With your future plans and the races, you have the desire to win. That would you that would put you right up there with Sean Kelly and Stephen Roach. Do you have heard of them? Because you're still very, very young. <laughs> um, have I met him? Do you have their posters on? Or because I had Sean Kelly's poster on my wall when I was younger. Um, do you have any? You feel any connection to them? Or you go, no, I just be my own man. I try to be as good as I can by myself. No, I, I 100%, I think, yeah, Sean Kelly is definitely one that I think everyone knows, you know, you, you listen to him on the commentary all the time and, uh, yeah, just, I, I just have this idea of him as being that real hard man and, uh, yeah, the guy that can, can perform in all conditions and, and the, on the hardest days and, yeah, that's kind of, I can, I feel like I want to kind of relate to that, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'd like to think in, in some ways we're quite a similar rider and, yeah, that's, that's for sure quite, yeah, motivating and, uh, Yeah, I remember one quote from him that's like, yeah, when, when the weather's shit, you, he knows that he's beat yeah, half a peloton already, you know? And uh, that's something that I always think about when the, when the weather is, is uh, yeah, a grueling day. Oh, man. Um, my one Sean Kelly quote that I remember, I was probably 18, and I probably said this on the podcast before, but I'll say it again. Um, they had just got off an international flight coming to the, the Tour de Pont or the Tour de Trump, And they were handing out sandwiches and bottles of water. And um, I took the sandwich, started eating it. And he kind of said to the whole bus, no train, no eat. And right then and there, I was just like, kind of spit out my sandwich because obviously Sean Kelly was <laughs> Sean Kelly, Sean Kelly. But um, you mentioned that you're on your way very, very quickly to your first off-season training camp. And I don't know about you, Yenzi, but... I used to look forward to those because at CSE we did a bunch of fun stuff with BS Christensen and it was great to see the boys again. But then there was other years where I kind of let myself slip a little bit and wasn't quite looking forward to it at the same level. Um, what, what goes on at these World Tour training camps in December these days, Ben? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, uh, I, I haven't got much experience in this because um, last year was the, the first December training camp for EF. And yeah, all going as normal training, kind of doing photo shoots and just meeting all the guys and the staff. Um, and one of the things we had was a flu jab. 
And uh, yeah, the flu job took me out basically. So I was at the camp for, for a couple of days and then I was, uh, yeah, flu jabbed up and uh, sent home. So <laughs> I, uh, I've done a, I've only done a couple of days on, on the December training camp. So uh, yeah, I missed out on all the team bonding activities and the, and the big meal and all of this. So uh, yeah, um, I'm, it's going to be a first for me this year as well. So are you getting maybe a bike fit uh, there in the training camp? Because often in our December camp, we would have like a bike fit or they would check your position, give you some tips, IDs. And if you get one, would you ever be willing to change your position? You go, you know what? It worked fine for me. Uh, never change your winning team. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's something that EF hasn't really uh, pushed for, for me to do. Um, I've always just had the bike fit that, that I've been comfortable with. Um, I think... If I ever ask for one or if there's a problem, then there, there, there'd be one there. But yeah, it's, it's working for me and uh, I'm comfortable. So yeah, it's, it's something that um, yeah, I haven't done with the team and, and yeah, I'm not, not planning on changing. I still got to remind myself, Yenzi, that he, he just turned 23. You know, he, he, he talks like he's yep. such an experienced, uh, experienced rider. But what do you think, uh, you know, I asked this question quite often to, to riders and you being a young rider, um, what, what is like the big difference between the under 23 category when you were younger and then just stepping right into the world tour? I'm, I'm always curious. I didn't get to race under 23s, you know, that, that didn't exist, but what is the style of racing like between under 23s and then straight into the world tour? Yeah, I think um, honestly, it's it's. I think under twenty three is just less control and a bit more unpredictable, but there's I'd say there's more similarities and differences. Um, a lot of the races that I've raced have all been kind of uh, yeah quite quite similar. I guess like you know it's uh, a break or go team or control and then you have a hard final. Um, just every now and again you get these chaotic days where. Yeah, everyone's playing a bit of chicken and there's a 23 and uh, yeah, you get a massive break going and, and the races are thrown into chaos. But I think every now and again, you get that in the World Tour as well. So um, yeah, it's just maybe the races are a bit longer in the World Tour as well. So a bit more attritional. But you know, like my, I wouldn't say my numbers have particularly like increased massively since, um, since turning World Tour. It's just I can go for longer. Um, And I'd say that's the biggest difference is just the, the attritional racing and maybe a bit bit more structure within the race as well. Um, quick free laugh at my expenses uh, for you, Ben. Um, when, when we just said you're 23, two of my six children are older than you, both sons. <laughs> They're 28 <laughs> and 24, so I have children <laughs> older than you. Yes, so I guess, yes, you have all the right in the world to be still a little young and unexperienced. Um, one thing I remember about these December training camps, they were like an early Christmas. You get a brand new shiny bike, like five pairs of brand new racing shoes, a suitcase full of clothes, all the goodies, little toys to bring home, like little massage devices and whatnot. Are you also like that? I was always like a little kid excited, like, you know, running to the Christmas tree when I came to these training camps. Is that something you like or you go, ah, it's just my, to my tools I need for work? Oh, you like getting new stuff like I did. Ah, oh, no, I, I love getting new stuff, you know. It's, uh, yeah, something you've always, I've always dreamed of, you know, is uh, getting a f the free bike and, uh, yeah, professional kit and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's like a little kid whenever you get all that stuff thrown onto the bed. I'm opening it all up and checking it all out, you know. Uh, and, yeah, being in Girona, you get the bit of a sneak peek of uh, what the kit and stuff is looking like as well If you because uh, the service course for EF is um, in Girona, so... Yeah, every now and again, I'm like nipping in, trying to see what what new bikes and mechanics are building and uh, what new sponsors are coming in. So, yeah, it's for sure something that I'm that I, yeah I'm love and uh, yeah that I never want to take for granted either. You know, um, yeah, it's it's something that yeah your little Ben would have uh, gone crazy about. So yeah, I, I think I always will. One last thing that JV told me was that you were really into being aerodynamic. That sometimes you would quite often actually just put your skin suit on and use the numbers as pockets for, for food. So obviously you must be very into the aerodynamic um, world. What is your favorite kind of piece of aerodynamic equipment that you're just like, 
when you're going to win a stage or go to try to be in the breakaway with the with the goal of winning the stage that you really look forward to and make sure that's on your bike yeah i mean yeah i i'm the only one on the team that uses the uh the aero aero cannondale so that's something that yeah that and uh and the the time trial suit is two things that yeah i i will never leave behind but yeah unfortunately next year the uh the aero bike's been discontinued so yeah i'm, I'm a bit gutted there um but yeah i've still got my got my skin suit thankfully so so you seem to be somebody that believes in science, in numbers, in facts. I think of myself like that as well, but I always had some superstitious when I was a cyclist. So I always had to put on the right sock first thing and always the right number first. Those were my two things for whatever good luck. Are you have any of that and are you willing to share or are you afraid the mojo goes away when you tell everyone about it? <laughs> No, unfortunately, I'm just like an unorganized mess most of the time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, put, put, putting socks on the right way is, uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, the last thing I think, I'm thinking of. I think I'm more like I have I remembered my socks rather than, uh, yeah, <laughs> putting them on right. Jeez, I so no, no superstitious? No, no, no superstition, unfortunately. All those years, Yenzi, I never knew that. I never knew that. I knew that you did the, what was it, four, like, the way that Germans say four is different than we say four. Yeah. And yeah, then we go like uh, like this, four. And I think you guys go like this for four. And we Germans, we go four, four fingers. Yeah. And uh, well, I, I was afraid it loses the mojo if I tell people about uh, uh, what I do. You know, then everybody knows and then it wouldn't be my lucky charm anymore. So that's why I never really told anyone, really. Yeah, I learned it. Well, hey, listen, Ben, we've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much for, for joining us today on the Bobby and Jens. We wish you all the best in 2024 and enjoy your December training camp with your team, EF Education Easy Post. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been, uh, been a great chat. So, yeah, a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Ben for being our guest. Thanks for listening. Please give us a five-star review and don't forget to share us with your friends. The show was a Velo production in association with Shock Giraffe. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Payne. Remember to check out the video version of this podcast by heading to the Outside Watch YouTube channel. Ben reminded me so much of a younger version of myself. But is there a rider in the peloton who reminds you of one from the past. Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. Just head to at Bobby and Jens and let us know.